The Tablet Show, Episode 71, with guest Stuart Lodge. Recorded live Thursday, January 31st, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Stuart Lodge about NVVM Cross. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. It's Carl and Richard, and we're here again. This is going to be a very exciting show. What's up, Mr. Campbell? I am, you know, making my way. I have very little to complain about. Make any whiskey yet? Uh, no. I do happen to own a still. I don't know if you'd know anything about that. Yeah, but, I gave it uh, to you. You know, it's one of those things you really want to do outdoors, and it's pretty cold outside right now. The The actual fermenting process generates a fair bit of carbon dioxide gas, and, you know, you have to be careful. There's a reason that you're allowed to own a still, but not operate it. Because <laughs> operating it's against the law. And pretty freaking dangerous, too. Well, you know, you have a choice between explosions, fires, and going blind. <laughs> the full meal package. In other words, I'm not so sure that the person who gave me this still is actually my friend. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you got to at least post some pictures of it. Well, anyway, let's uh, start with Better Know Framework here. <laughs> All right, what do you got? And today it's called Better Know the App Store. Oh. All right, so you know, Windows 8 is great, and I love all the apps that sort of, except for one, all the apps that come, you know, packaged with it, the the new apps, the modern apps. And I especially like the newsreader. But I have my Nokia Lumia 920, Windows Phone 8, and there's no newsreader. Really? What the hell is wrong with those people? <laughs> But it's got to be some third-party ones, right? There is, and there's a really good one. My favorite is called Weave, W-E-A-V-E, Weave, like basket weaving. And uh, I'm not going to give you a URL. Just go to your app store and search for Weave. Okay. Get it. It's free. Absolutely. There is a pay version. For 10 bucks. you can get an ad-free version. So, But it's great. And um, it has a nice uh, built-in programming topic that goes out and finds all of scott hansman's tweets so it's really great (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah it's pretty cool well and i don't have a news reading app on my phone so i think i might just have to go download that one thanks for the advice all right richard who's talking to us uh grabbed a comment out of show 64 and that is the one we did with paul sheriff talking about multi-client architecture which was a really interesting show because we were on the road trip Mm -hmm. but we did that interview in private that's right. You remember? It was yep. in a little quiet spot, and uh, we had a chance to chat with him directly. I, I always like having those in-person shows, too. You know, there's, sure. There's an interesting dynamic that comes from this. This comment comes from uh, Michael James. He says, Hi, Carl and Richard. As always, many thanks for your time and effort in producing these shows. I've been listening to .NET Rocks for many years, and now the tablet show since its inception. Mm. Like Carl, I've been pondering how we divide apps into several smaller pieces. In Mm. my opinion, this makes them not only easier to develop and maintain, but also easier for the end user to use. Right. With Windows 8, this has become much easier as developers. We just have to be more inventive with our UIs. However, I've been thinking a lot about web apps. 
For a long time now, web applications have become the big spiraling applications that our desktop applications were before mm. and in many places still are. How can we make these more modular and easier to use and access? <laughs> Since running the early betas of Windows, I wanted to pin sections of the web to my start screen for easier access <laughs> and for clarity to my end users. Some people have shown how to do this and it works really well. What people haven't really talked about is that with some really simple meta tags, you can provide a full-size application tile, application name, tile color, and even get notifications for your web application there on the start screen. Wow. Once you start looking into this, you can actually provide a tile per page for your web application. I took this to having a tile per area of my MVC application, each with a different name, tile, and color, all pinned into those little named start screen groups. It's like having several applications. My end users love it and find it much simpler, and combining it with jump list tasks that IE introduced in version 9 expands the idea even further. The only issue I have with the system is that IE has to be your default browser. If you change it, the tiles revert to using the favicon and page title. In controlled environments, this isn't too much of an issue, but for general consumer software, this could be more of a problem. Thanks again for the great shows, Michael James. How cool is that? That's really cool. That is such a good idea. In fact, heck with web applications, why aren't more websites just doing this? That if you, you know, are really uh, into a given website, you might have three or four tiles related to it and be feeding information back to it. I think it's wicked cool stuff. It might be worth a whole show just to work through exactly how to do this and where you do it. So, Michael James, you rock. A tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. And with that, I'd like to introduce our guest, Stuart Lodge. He is the author of MVVM Cross and uh, been a developer for many years. Welcome, Stuart. Hey, welcome. Thanks. Tell us just a little bit about yourself before we get started. Um, well, I'm the wrong side of 40 now. Um, I've been coding since oh, about 1981. Uh, my first computer had 32K of RAM, um, which was quite quite good for the day. And it was, a, it was a big, sharp MZ80K. It took about three or four minutes to load from tape when you first started it up. <laughs> um, although you could peek and poke without doing that. Uh, just to get basic up and running. And I learned everything I need to know about programming there. I knew go-tos and go-subs. It was really good. That's awesome. Um, yeah. More recently, I, I, you know, I've got in kind of as an accidental architect of apps and of programs. Um, I kind of program on the extreme side of Agile, um, which means that I'm quite used to not having a full set of requirements mm -hmm. um, and quite used to not having any requirements um, and, and, you know, really doing tight loops. Do you do pair programming with yourself? Because that would be the ultimate extreme, don't you think? Uh, I'm not very good at pair programming. <laughs> I tend to take over the keyboard, but yeah, so occasionally. I have a lot of arguments with myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, MVVM Cross has come up many times on the tablet show, um, and I'd like you to just tell us what exactly it does. Um, it's really quite a young framework. It's only about a year old now. Um, and it started really because we had kind of a big project that the end customer was was a big Xbox game. Um, it was for Star Wars, which was kind of a dream project to come through. Wow. Um, and it was to advertise their the Xbox uh, Star Wars Connect game. Um, and we knew that we'd have quite a lot of developers doing this. We knew we had to hit, you know, Windows Phone. We had to hit Android. We had to hit uh, the iPhone as well. And uh, we knew that we'd have, you know, Twitter integration and Facebook integration and lots of modules and perhaps mini games and things within the app. Um, and so we just knew that we needed more than just throwing the code together and hoping it worked. 
Um, so we started trying to put it together with, you know, Mono and with the, the Windows frameworks. Um, and then at some point, the guy I was working with mainly at the start called John, I think he, I'm, I'm blaming him anyway, he uttered the words that, uh, you know, why don't we just put an MVVM framework together? Um, and I believe he put on the words, how hard can it be? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Famous yeah, last words. Next to, hey, watch this. <laughs> That's yeah, and so uh, a year later, we're still going wrong, but we're still pushing forwards with it. You used an MVVM framework for a game? Well, no, so it, it was mainly it was a social app, so it was Twitter and Facebook, but there were kind of mini-games within there and levels, so the oh. more you tweeted about the the Xbox game, kind of the more respect you got within the, there. I got it, so it was more like a traditional app. Yeah, very much so. Um, but, you know, it was a big team behind it. You know, In development terms, there were only six or seven of us, um, but then there were lots of designers who came on board with various things and then, you know, big management layers. So we knew that we'd have changes and that we had to manage it and we had to get it out the door fast and then kind of do a couple of revisions. So what I heard about it, and you can tell me where, I'm, where I've gone wrong here, but what I've heard about it is that everything from the um, view, from the view model back is one code base. Uh, yep, that's exactly what we do. We, we make sure that everything is, and um, particularly now, we try and put everything into portable class libraries. So it really is one code base. Um, and actually, even a bit of the view we try and put in there. Um, so, for example, things like value converters, mm. um, which, you know, if you've got something that takes a date time and turns it into a string like, you know, how many hours ago it was, mm. then that can go into the shared code as well. There's no reason that has to go in the client. So even things like that, and even some things like some of the graphics code is starting to go across as well. Because um, a guy called Frank has done some brilliant work on something called cross graphics. Um, and that can also be used cross-platform. Yeah, because, you know, the basic operations of draw a line, draw an arc, draw a circle, they're all right. pretty portable. All right. So, so what I do is I break out Visual Studio and I do my XAML view for Windows uh, and whatever, WPF or whatever I'm using there. And then I break out Xcode and I do a UI for the, you know, the I devices. And I break out uh, Eclipse and do a, uh, a UI for Android. And uh, as long as I'm using the right tags and the right, uh, you know, the right binding, how does that, how does that exactly work? And, and by the way, do I need the Xamarin products? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations. You've just reached stage one of MVVM Cross Developer. You've got it right. Oh, great. Um, but yeah, um, basically what you just said is, is exactly right. Um, yes, you need the Xamarin products to get onto Mono, uh, MonoTouch and MonoDroid. We're building mm -hmm. on top of them. We're using reflection a lot to bind the UIs to the, uh, to the background view models. Mm. Um, so you definitely need the, the C-sharp base in there. And, you know, the Xamarin tools are getting better and better all the time. They already deliver a really good, powerful um, native layer. Um, and the integration with Xcode keeps getting better. Um, and uh, it's, it's just looking more and more promising all the time in terms of the new APIs. I think 6.1 for um, iOS came out, I think, midday yesterday. And I mm. think the Xamarin tools shipped at about 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon to support it. Um, so you have to get those things in place. Um, but then essentially what we're doing is uh, if, if you've looked at Android XML, for example, then in Android XML, you know, you just get tags um, a bit like you do in XAML. So in, in XAML, you might have a stack panel. In Android XML, you have a, a linear layout. And it's got the same sort of properties of height, width, um, the same sort of things of background color, et cetera, that you can just set within the XML. And all we do is we add an extra tag in there, which is called MVX bind. 
And in that, you can put JSON, or right now what we're experimenting with is something called Swiss binding, which is basically the same binding as you use in XAML. Yeah, so you just literally put in the target name for the property, so maybe it's text, and then you'll put the source thing, which can be, you know, uh, customer dot um, name or something, and it'll just bind. I want to get back to Swiss binding here, but because um, that sounds interesting in and of itself, we can go down that rabbit hole. But I'm still interested in uh, the rest of the setup. Um, you know what you need. Yeah, for for iOS, it's a bit different because the interface designer in um, Xcode is really designed for machines to read the XML that it produces. So you don't really have the linear layouts. You don't really have the nice formats. You've got a lot of nodes that are put together and linked by like integer or maybe even the int64 IDs across. So you don't use the same way. Instead, what you do is you link them to kind of names within your, uh, your UI view controllers. Mm -hmm. And then you combine those UI view controller names. So if you've got a text field, you'll drag that across. Um, into the, the editor area and the designer, and you'll give it a name like, you know, title text. And then when you pull that back into the view model, you can just set up uh, into the view, you can just set up the binding for that um, with one line of C sharp. So it's a little bit more fiddly. But also when you do things like lists, it's exactly the same again. You always just set up a data template or a cell template, and the binding works within those guys as well. So, you know, if you're used to just the fact that the data context cascades within XAML, it does the same thing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So would I code my first app in Visual Studio? Because that's what I know and that's what I like. And then sort of morph it into these other versions. How would I do that? It depends entirely on the project. Um, almost everybody starts from the view models. Yeah. So you start with, you know, this is my first view model, whether it's the home page or, or something else, like, you know, perhaps you're starting with a specific story or feature. Sure. Um, and then, then you'll code out from there. So uh, some people actually start from the tests. Um, Greg at the moment is doing a really good job on that, and it's a really interesting way of coding. So he, he developed the entire view model side and all of the tests before he touched a line of view. Sure. Yeah. And it's a really fast way of, of developing as well, because you don't have to touch an emulator. You don't have to touch a phone. Well, you yeah. can just go and test your view model straight away. And, you know, for things like network comms, it's so convenient, the fact that it runs within Visual Studio, within NUnit, or within ReSharper. So I guess the real challenge would be, uh, you know, using the, the correct subset of the .NET framework that's going to work across all these platforms. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that seem to be the challenge? So, um, yeah, there's definitely been that challenge. Um, and PCLs, the portable class libraries, are really helping us at the moment to kind of meet that. Um, and behind the scenes, really, the big challenge isn't so much on the mono side, because the mono guys have kind of come from the more full .NET framework. So the challenge is actually more on the Windows Phone side, which has come from the Compact framework, wow. and from WinRT, which is kind of new. Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So if you're using the portable uh, network libraries, the portable libraries, rather, then you're probably in good shape. Yeah, if you're using those, then you, you're you're ready to go, really. There are things you miss. Um, at the moment, still, you can't really use async very easily across the portable class libraries. Um, that, hopefully, is going to change really soon. Obviously, Xamarin's big conference is coming up, um, right. and they've been talking about the fact that hopefully it's a Q1 or Q2 release for that. Um, and that, you know, is as big a change as Link. It's huge what's, what, what async is doing to the world of coding. So uh, yes. it'll be really exciting when that hits. Yes, absolutely. So, um, wow. I mean, this sounds like a dream come true for, for multi-platform development. What, it, what's the challenge for a developer? Obviously, there's got to be a, a gotcha somewhere. Okay, so the big challenge 
First of all is just getting set up. Um, portable class libraries out of the box, they support Windows Phone and they support Windows RT. But there are a couple of like tweaks you have to make, a couple of XML files you have to insert into into the registry, into the reference assemblies to get mm -hmm. set up so the Monodroid and Monotouch will work. Mm -hmm. And then again, on the Xamarin side, there's a couple of tweaks you have to make to try and get them building. Those are all being smoothed out over time, but they're still there at the moment. So there is kind of a little learning curve there at the start. And you know how frustrating those things can be if they just don't work out of the box. Yeah, I'm sure your uh, framework comes with guidance for that. Yeah, so you just need a, a strong coffee on that first day um, <laughs> and you get through it. Um, after that, then there is a learning curve on each of the UI frameworks. Sure. Um, so particularly on iOS, because it just feels so different, there's a big learning curve. Right. And there are gotchas behind the scenes about like application life cycles and things on different platforms. Because um, things like Android will really, really confuse people when they actually start understanding how activities really live on Android. Activities are? Activities are like pages. Yeah, and that's the problem. that They're like pages, so people assume they are. But they're not really pages. And Android can kill them at any time from the background. So even though you've gone from Activity 1 to Activity 2 to Activity 3, when you hit back, Activity 2 might not be there. So you really have to be concerned with saving the state often. Um, it depends on your app, but yeah. Yeah, you really need to be aware of it just to understand those sort of things. And it's that kind of small nuance that can, you know, take up time. If you're using MVVM Cross, do you, do you uh, sort of recommend patterns for state management that uh, work across all the platforms? Um, we haven't really got it for state management at the moment. Um, I, I don't know like how many Windows Phone apps really do tombstoning properly, for example. Right. Um, it's kind of one of those things that people uh, add on later or just add on to specific pages. You know, perhaps there's a form where it really matters, mm. and other pages you just load them again. It doesn't matter. It makes so much difference. You know. Right. Not many users notice if your scroll window isn't halfway down after you've been tombstoned for two hours because sure. they don't really care about that so much. So, yeah, we, we kind of have loose guidance on it, and there are people who've done it, and there's Stack Overflow posts and things. But really, it's down to, to people at that stage to put them in. Sure. Um, we do, you know, we, we vary at the moment between being a really an opinionated framework. So, you know, we tell people they have to use IOC. You know, forget, you know, putting in statics. We really encourage them to use IOC. Right. It's there. It's almost easier to use IOC than anything else. And do you have your own container in the, uh, in, in the, in the framework? So we've got a simple one, and we've got instructions about how to replace that with OpenNetCF IOC, mm -hmm. and we've got um, people who've replaced it with Tiny IOC. So it's really easy to replace if you want to use something else. Um, and, you know, that's the key to it, trying to keep light there. Yeah. Um, but we've also got, you know, we try and push people down services and models. We try and get people to use things like SQLite-net. Um, um, so we've got a plug-in layer where you can just pull in the, the core functionality so the interface levels for for sqlite slash net right and then each each uh each platform just adds its abstraction layer for that so it's really powerful from the fact that all your sql code is also cross-platform yeah that's crazy so um so you're talking about sqlite for local storage right yeah so, yeah yeah and, and for connecting to the network we use a lot we love json.net obviously for talking to rest hmm. um people have put rest sharp on top of it um, and frameworks like that. People have a tweet sharp on top of it. That was the very first project we kind of did. We used tweet sharp. Wow. Uh, there's also because all of the platforms, actually, I don't know about Windows 8. Does Windows 8 have much support for WCF? For WCF? Well, um, not, I, I don't know how to answer that question, actually. Yeah, yeah I don't, yeah. So I've not seen many WCF samples for Windows 8. 
Um, but certainly for, for the Windows Phone and for the MonoTouch and MonoDroid, you can just run basically the SLUtil wizard and it spits out the right code for you. Um, so there's a guy who I've never met, never done anything, but he's pretty much written half a book on MVVM Cross last summer. Mm. And he's Olivier in France. And his sample that he took was actually like a three-year-old, four-year-old project, which had just a basic um, ASMX server, which did something to do with French postcodes. And it was an old Silverlight app. And he ported it across to Monodroid and Monotouch with pretty much minimal changes. He just took the WCF service and used it. So it looks like WCF is completely supported in Metro-style apps. Ah, good. Yeah. Okay, I've just not used it yet. I mean, obviously, they're all shiny at the moment. Yeah, I just think the attention is turned away from WCF. I think that's yeah. why we don't know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everything's rest at the moment, and everything's just simpler. And uh, mm. Folks in, in that space tend to be calling into Web API instead of using WCF. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all spent hours trying to just get WCF working and swearing at the configuration files, <laughs> and then then noticing that typo of, you know, you put it in HTTPS and you meant HTTP, and yeah. WCF works great as long as you go all defaults. It's, as soon as you change anything, then it's a battle. This portion of the Tablet Show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. So here's a tweet from Frank Kruger who says, ask him why he's stalking me. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah if, if he stops writing code, then I'll stop stalking him. But please don't. Yeah. Like, so, 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 yeah. So Frank's the guy behind SQLite.net, and he's the guy behind Cross Graphics, yeah. and he works for Xamarin now, and, you know, just absolutely stunning, you know. Um, he also, he, he's, I think one of you guys is a VB guy at heart, isn't it? Yeah, we both actually yeah. started in the VB world. Yeah, so uh, I've, I've dabbled in the VB world all the way along. I think I've got a qualification still in VB3, if anyone <laughs> out there wants to offer me a job. Um, but <laughs> no. Frank... Frank did a talk last last uh, winter at um, the Monkey Space thing, which I still haven't seen. Hopefully, it's going to be on video soon. Yeah. Um, and his talk was all about kind of harking back to the VB days and the fact that you could just throw apps together really quickly. Um, and I think there's a lot of sense behind that. Even though, you know, I'm here talking about architecture and MVVM stuff, if your app's simple, put it together really quickly and, uh, you know, get the feedback loop going. All that agile stuff has a lot of sense behind that. It seems to me that the infrastructure you're putting in place to be a cross-platform development experience overcomes all of that. Like you, you're not going to rapidly develop here. You are really setting yourself up so you can develop in a lot of places at once, and that there's some overhead to that. There is some overhead, but um, I, I definitely would argue we rapidly develop. Like it, it is all about the app and getting it put together, right? Um, and uh, I mean, it depends on what your definition of rapidly develop is. 
Um, if you're saying, do you just drag and drop on the canvas and do go code behind? No, we don't, but we do the binding, which then enables you to like, you know, rapidly develop and blend the UI and make it look really pretty. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and the test harnesses enable you to just, you know, move on and get on with the next project and the next part rather than, you know, have I broken this again? I don't know if it's working. Um, so I think we do rapidly develop, but perhaps not in the old VB style. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's rapid and there's rapid. It still feels like there's, there's some planning here. We really just dropped into a designer, threw stuff on a form and, and, and hit F5. Like it was embarrassing simple to pull all that stuff together. So I have a particular question, which I ran into an issue with MVVM and Windows 8 and uh, just the pattern, which is the, the media element needs to be in the visual tree. And so you can't just create a media element and play some audio or video or something. So um, since that has to be in the view, uh, how does the, the view model then sort of handle that? Do you have to be specific about you know where that object is you pass it in with an ioc container how does that work okay so if it's if it is like a media element you're typically playing either a file or a url mm -hmm. and what the view model typically needs to know about it is you know where the progress is in the file um if it's reached the end of the uh, the file mm. if you know it's it's buffering or whatever reason if there's an error and all of those things can be exposed easily from the view model. Mm. And then what you have to do is you have to bind it to a media element in Windows 8, and you have to find a way of binding it to a video view in Android. Um, and in iOS, you also have to bind it to a UA, uh, it's an MP video controller or something. But again, it's a similar type thing on each platform. Right. And, and all of them have the same sort of thing of, you know, do you want us to display the controls? Do you want to um, uh, autoplay? All those sorts of things. And it's that that you expose from the view model level. Do you have uh, samples and things like that? Because that seems to be, you know, that that's the kind of challenge that I would find, you know, is a, at the view, you know, how do these individual things work across all these platforms? Um, so video, no, we don't. We've got a few camera samples where people have captured um, images um, and some of them they just, you know, save them to file and then show the file. Mm. Others they want to hold in RAM for some security reason and just show the image and then say, do you want to upload it or not? Um all of that sort of thing, we've got various samples on, but we're definitely quite light on documentation and samples at the moment. As I say, we're quite young. The code base still kind of grows quite a lot and changes quite a lot. Um, the products are still coming in all the time. The PCLs obviously came out really only in the middle of last year. Sure. Um, and, you know, Visual Studio Enhancements came out, well, officially the end of last year. Um, the Win8 code changed quite a lot um, yep. because... Uh, you know, having, having ported from the consumer to the developer to the uh, release preview, um, every time all those templates broke, unfortunately. So where do you see this going? Where do you see MVVM Cross going? Because it's certainly one of those center of the universe kind of products that you won't be able to live without if it uh, continues at its current rate of success. Um, I think I see it going lighter. I, I, you know, I really like um, the kind of approach that Laurent's taken with MVVM Lite where he gives the developers freedom to get on with things. Um, I kind of hate those old frameworks. Like, you know, we, we all did MFC type things mm. where you really were quite constrained about the way you did things sometimes. So it's important to give people the freedom to do their own apps. So the key thing is there's a view and there's a view model and, and those two things, you know how they communicate together, but then to really allow the developers to change things they want to. Um, so we're supporting more platforms. Um, a guy called Kevin from South Africa has started porting across to Xamarin.Mac. So we've got another platform there. Wow. 
Um, we've got um, some WPF support, but it's only on 4.5 because of the PCLs. Um, and we've also looked, because there's also a mono project um, for the Sony PlayStation Vita. Wow. Um, and we started looking at that as well. So, you know, C-Sharp is really in its boom years. It's really kind of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> it's where C-Sharp ended up, you know, going cross-platform yeah. all these ways. We, you know, and and back in the day, you know, Miguel thought Linux might have been the, you know, the, the lingua franca. And it turns out it's C-Sharp and JavaScript. Yeah, I, <laughs> it, it's really useful, though. It's, it's just um, great the way that that's growing. Um, and and it is what it was supposed to be from the start, really. I mean, you know, it was more open than Java. It was set out there as a standard. Mm. Um, and it's great that the, the open source has managed to plug the gaps and push it through. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I would think that the other platform to get on board now would be the new BlackBerry, BlackBerry 10. Yeah, so Black, BlackBerry 10 is interesting because BlackBerry 10 is, is claiming to, or sorry, I haven't really looked at it that much, but it's supposed to be able to support Android apps. Yeah, so huh. there is kind of a route there. However, I think the way that Mono works and the fact that it kind of adds on a C++ element as well as the, the, the Java element, um, I think that won't work straight away. But I, I guess that there is a way forwards there. So, um, you know, maybe at some future announcement that might happen. Um, and that would just be an instant win, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, absolutely. And I, and I do think if BlackBerry's going to have a shot at all, they need to solve the development story. That, that's, that's the main thing. It's been too hard to build for BlackBerry for a long time. Well, what is BlackBerry 10? I mean, I mean, I know it's not Android and it's not, uh, it's its own OS, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're using a derivative of Qunix, which is actually a Unix derivative. It's a real time Unix derivative. So mm. it makes sense that it would be able to pull over to the Android stack because they, the roots are all the same there. The kernels aren't all that different. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Android is, is such like kind of a boom year at the moment and such a winner, isn't it? I mean, it, it's the new Windows in so many ways. Um, you get all those different versions, all those different resolutions, um, all those different hardware capabilities, and, and that's where uh, Android is heading. So Yeah, they've done the mistakes that Microsoft made with having no guidelines at all, really, over what you can do with the OS, but they've done it in an open way. It's just like, oh, here's the code, go nuts. You know, it's, so one hand, it's very different than Microsoft in the sense that it's all open code and people are innovating their own way. And at the same time, it's like the complete lack of control has meant, well, we we did a show a while ago with a guy who described building for Android as working in the drawer of broken dreams, <laughs> right? You get it working on one Android phone, then you go to the drawer of broken dreams, get the next phone, and it doesn't work. You fix it for that one, you regress to the first one, and then you go get the next phone. Yeah, and it's just worse than Windows in that there's actually, you know, a new product release every kind of year, if not every six months of a major, you know, version increment in the operating systems. Well, and different phones being released every quarter, each with their own yeah. little tweaks to it on top of that. Right. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash MVVM cross seminar, which you can also get at blog.xamarin.com slash MVVM cross dash seminar, you'll see this uh, video that you did, Stuart, here. And, um, can you tell us about this? Um, yeah, so Xamarin um, very kindly invited me to do a, a talk, um, and they asked me to do half an hour, and I carried on talking for an hour and a quarter, um, <laughs> which I think is a trend you may already have noticed. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so um, I just went through kind of the story of how, how we built MVVM Cross and what its goals are, because quite a lot of people hear the name, and they just go, oh, it's some MVVM thing. Um, but it, it is really at its core not about MVVM. It's about sharing code. 
Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's exactly what, what Mono and Monotouch and Monodroid are there about. It's about reusing the code you've already written. It's about architecting your code right now so it can be used for years to come. Um, and it, it's just putting it in there, um, providing some of the kind of, you know, if we, if we like the new things like IOC, because so many developers still don't use IOC. Yeah. So many still don't use unit testing. Um, it's enabling, you know, young um, fly-by-nights who, who really, you know, can can drive code forward using those things mm. to develop rapidly. But it's also back in the enterprise where, you know, IOC and testing really matter because, um, you know, we've got a big user who is a, a big insurer here in the UK. Mm-hmm. And obviously their app has to work and they have to have it certified and they have to know it works out there in the marketplace. So the testing element for them was absolutely key. Um, so, yeah, yeah um, it's it's just about putting all those things in place and allowing people to reuse their code, to share their code. Also, with the plugin things, there is kind of a component thing going on. So the fact that you can just take the plugins for SQLite and use them is brilliant because, yeah. you know, you can just add them on as, as it goes along. Um, one of the projects um, I did late last year was I, I got hold of a Sparrow, you know, the little robotic ball from the ex-NASA engineers. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I put that together and just had to. As soon as I heard about the, its existence, <laughs> I just had to have one. Um, and I put it together in NVVM Cross. And so we've got, you know, a WPF front end for it. A, a um, We've got a Windows Phone 8 front end for it. And we've got a Monodroid Monotouch one. And um, we've also kind of got a WinRT one, but it requires hacking the operating system to get it working. But that within it has plugins, which are for the accelerometer on the device. It has a plugin, which is for um, the, the Bluetooth communication, because obviously that's really native. Um, and it has a plugins for other things like actually taking a photo and uploading it to a website of what's happened in Sphero. So each of those is just a module and that can be reused across apps, you know, which is handy. So what is the WinRT story anyway with MVVM Cross? Um, so we, we support it. It's really quite easy to add. Um, you basically just, when you have like a, a layout aware page, you basically just inherit from an MVX page instead of inheriting from the normal WinRT one. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are different are we don't have async and await. So you have to, you know, architect your code slightly differently in terms of having action callbacks. Right. Hopefully that'll change when we get, you know, cross platform really working nicely on that. Um, but apart from that, we're, we're pretty much fully on there. Um, the reason we don't have, um, the Sphero app on there is because we, um, Bluetooth isn't supported properly by Windows RT at the moment. Oh, right. Um, so um, it's exactly the same API on Windows 8. So if you're on the desktop, you can use it. But in the store apps, it's uh, it's fenced off at the moment. Mm-hmm. There are comments online. Um, I have actually written, because Windows Phone 8 also hasn't got the low energy stuff yet. So I have actually, just as moments of celebrity, I've written emails to both uh, Stephen Elop and uh, Steve Barmer in the last year. Um, <laughs> they both wrote back very nicely saying, yeah, it's on its way. Um, actually, no, they didn't. They said improvements are on the way. They didn't oh, give me any details, okay. but they both wrote back, which is pretty good going. That is good. Um, cool. you know, um, I know plenty of smaller companies have ignored me. Um, so, <laughs> you know, which is, by the way, if anyone's listening, is the right thing to do. Um, do <laughs> you, you? Encourage, yeah. Yeah. You, you only encourage me if you write back. <laughs> are we conjoining, you know, phone development and tablet development here? Where are you seeing MVVM Cross use the most? So pretty much, if you're developing like for iPhone at the moment, then most people are developing what's called universal apps, right. which means runtime you you detect whether you're on an iPhone or an iPad and you change. 
you know, dynamically yeah. you just display different screens. Right. Uh, and within NVVM Cross, we got like, a, there's kind of a principle called the presenter, which means that when you're showing a page, it's like, how do you want me to show this page? Do you want me to show it just as full screen? Mm. Or do you want it in half of a UI split view? Or do you want it as a pop-up? Um, and, you know, obviously there are going to be more and more of those type of like new approaches coming through as you, as you develop more apps. Um, so I think the same thing will happen in Windows 8 where you kind of get the uh, master detail views. Yeah, so, you know, the same code will run, the same view models will be there. Right. But on the phone, you'll take your, your list view and you'll then put up your detail. Whereas on the tablet, what you'll do on the Windows 8, you'll have your list view down the left-hand side and you have your detail on the right. You think you would have different view models for tablet than you would for a phone? You, you do have some differences, um, but generally most people start their apps with the same ones and then they just change them slightly. So you've got a lot of if-then code sprinkled out. No, no, it's PCL, so it's the same thing. But, but what you would do, for example, is you might have um, slightly different variations of the view model, so you use inheritance to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or perhaps you'll have, you know, because you've got IOC, you can inject a different thing at runtime. Sure. So if, if you want to navigate to one type of page on one thing and one type of view model on another, you do that. Yeah. And it is, it's really quite graceful the way you put that together. None of that hash if stuff because that just breaks, you know, later down the line. Um, you know, I, I'm a big user of ReSharper now. Um, mm -hmm. Other products do exist, obviously. Um, but just the fact that if you put hash ifs in, ReSharp, I can't really do its job. Okay. What about Android tablets? Because they seem like they're all over the map. So Android tablets are all over the map. I mean, there are still kind of the old cheap tablets that came along from like Archos, etc. Um, it's not a uh, criticism they're cheap. They were, you know, really selling well as a result, but they were still on 2.2 and 2.3. Right. They've now got tablets out there, you know, Archos again on 4.0 and 4.1, and they are selling for, you know, less than 100 bucks for a 10-inch tablet. Which is just you know, incredible. Gonna change, yeah, it's just yeah. going to change the way people consume things, isn't it? Well, you start giving them away with a subscription, right? Like that—that's—that's why I think it's so profound. The challenge is, I—I I keep worrying about Android fragmentation. Cross-platform is hard enough, but just dealing with all the Android variations is making me crazy. Hmm. I yeah, I mean, I worry about it a bit, and there are, you know, you can get to an explosive type of. Uh, Problems with the number of layouts if you start trying to duplicate them and, and graphics are going to get worse with kind of the new 4K UIs as well. Yep. Um, I'm not sure how big your graphics are going to have to be in order to, uh, to fill out the 4K UI and that kind of resolution. Right. Um, but overall, we don't seem to have that many problems with, with Android when we're developing for it. Um, it's always a concern. It's always there. We always ask the question, you know, which version are we going to target? Um, but as people are moving more and more to four, you know, the percentages are at least finally shifting. You know, a year ago, it was still sort of, you know, 5% was on four. Now it's up to the 30 or 40%. The Galaxy 3s have had a big impact. The Nexus range is having a big impact. I think those are kind of more stable and, and the UI was better thought out for four. Right. You know, all the action bar stuff, all of that. The fragmentation is a problem. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, the number of devices out there and the fact that they are kind of centered around 720p or they're centered around, you know, the 10 inch and the seven inch tablets. Yeah, it um, sounds like as long as I cut at four and above, my life's going to be pretty good. Um, yeah, 2.3 is not too bad. 2.3 is in there as well. Um, you, you have to be aware of it. 
Um, but yeah, the features are there. Um, it's not something I overly worry about. Um, it's just if you do want, you know, a specific feature like NFC or something, then you might have to start worrying about which version did it come into. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And there are still things like, you know, the Bluetooth low, low energy that's not in Windows Phone yet. That's also not in Android, but it has been put into some Android phones. So, you know, if you're doing something like, sorry, I do a GPS, um, sports app occasionally. Um, and that, you know, only can work on certain Android phones and you have to detect that at runtime. Mm. Um, other things like in the old days of Android, you had problems with things like the cameras because the cameras were focusing different on every phone. Um, but that's got better and more unified. And again, plugin authors can really help. Um, so things like, for example, there's, there are a couple of great projects for Monodroid about, um, reading, uh, the, the zebra crossing ports basically and about reading barcodes. And those guys can really help because they just give you a ready-made control. You put it onto your screen um, and, you know, it just reads them. It controls all the focusing problems. Um, it puts the red box around the uh, the barcode and just gives you the text out. So those kind of ready-made components are just godsend. So that's uh, John Dix, Reth, who produces that. So what are some of your favorite apps that were written with MVVM Cross? Because I imagine everybody shares them with you. Um, yeah, so um, there, there are quite a lot. Um, as I say, I quite like my own apps, obviously. Um, I've still got a soft spot for our original one, the, the Twitter and Facebook um, client that was written mm -hmm. with you know, some, some guys from um, Czech Republic, some guys here in the UK. Um, we've got, oh, it's, it's going to be hard to pick them out. Um, we've got um, some guys working on some really boring projects, if you like, some kind of those line of business things, um, which I really quite like. Actually, that's a good story. So, you know, there's a guy um, in Denmark who works on some noise reporting software. Um, that's Cheese Baron. Sorry, they've all got weird internet names, obviously. Cheese Baron. Yeah, and he, he's, his company works on, on noise reporting software for, you know, airports and things, huh. which is, you know, perhaps traditionally the old place where Windows CE would have been used or whatever. Um, we've got guys who have done... Um, so, again, I'll just talk about boring ones. Forget my favorite apps. Actually, the you know, the, the business apps are the real story here because, you know, that's... That's where we've wanted to be all all this time, and it just takes so much effort to do them across all these platforms. I think this is a really valuable thing. But it's happening because because the tablet also has a phone in it. It's connected in a way that you know old devices could never be. Um, it's also got an immense amount of storage in it. I mean, you know, harking back to that Sharp MZ80K with a tape that probably fit. You know, yeah. If I was lucky, a C60 must have fitted. You know, a few K of data on it. Um, you know, a tablet has eight gigs of flash, really fast memory. Um, and, you know, it can go up. You can put an SD card in it for probably, what, $20 for 32 extra gigabytes now? Right, right. Um, it's got um, really good sensors in terms of uh, direction, in terms of a really good microphone. It's got a camera that can be used for capture. Um, most of them have two cameras. Um, it's got, you know, a camera that can be used for barcode scanning. It's got F NFC that can be used for tagging you know, everything is going that way. The Internet of Things is happening. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got guys who are doing things like um, just reading electricity meters using um, tablets built on MVVM Cross. Mm -hmm. um, we've got guys who are doing um, uh, some uh, kind of survey apps in shops, um, you know, just walking around. But it gives people instant feedback on how things are doing because it's connected to the web. It's just doing it. Yeah, we've also got guys doing some, uh, some weather apps. Um, so, you know, giving real-time information on there. Um, obviously, as I said, the insurance app um, that came out of the UK, um, and that was, again, using GPS sensors. So it was just really powerful computing, really mobile computing. Um, 
you know, taking advantage of native processing, um, also putting a nicer UI on the business as well. It's got to be said. Um, you know, it, it's right. lovely that XAML is, is making UIs much nicer. Um, that obviously iOS with, with the uh, UI kit and core graphics is making things so much nicer. Um, it's, it's just nice that people get to enjoy what they're doing. You know, sure. the old days of hating your computer at work are gone. Now, you know, you take your own computer to work to meet the computers at work and they can have a social network all of their own. Right. Wow. This is fantastic stuff. Fantastic. So, uh, what's next for MVVM cross? I mean, you mentioned a couple of platforms that you're, that you're trying to add. Is that really, you want to make it lighter and you want to go broader in terms of platforms? Um, so yeah, we, we're, we're going to add these new platforms. Um, and you know, the Mac one is actually already added. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just not integrated back into the core because we've got just a couple of PCL issues again, portable class libraries to work out. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely would like to make just setup easier. So I'd love it if we could actually build and run, um, everything from within kind of the visual studio space. Oh yeah. Um, or within mono develop. I don't mind who's boss. Um, sure. Yeah, it would be nice to get, you know, more people um, producing different frameworks on top. I'm hearing a lot from guys who use Caliburn. Mm. Um, and I've never used Caliburn. I've seen a couple of presentations. Um, but they all um, seem to have really good architectural ideas. So, um, you know, whoever's behind Caliburn, sorry, I don't know anything about it. Um, but it, it just feels like they've got some of the UI patterns about, you know, how you do a wizard. Um, how you can present you, you know, that master detail type thing. Um, how you can make sure that you validate data. They seem to have that much better tied down. So I'd be fascinated to see what they can build on top of things. Mm. Yeah, that's Rob Eisenberg. Yeah. Also, I, I'd quite like to see. So, so you know, MVVM Cross itself has got this basic layer, which is kind of just an MVVM. On top of that, we've got a layer which is binding, and that binding layer really could be separated from MVVM cross. And it's, it's kind of one of my goals to do it. And if I can separate it out, then I can just throw it at Caliburn and say, there you go. You try doing it on, uh, on Monodroid and Monotouch and, you know, MVVM light can do the same thing. Maybe something like prism could do the same thing. And there are so many apps written in things like prism. It'd be just great to see if they could port across. Um, so I'd really like to separate that out. On top of that, we've got another layer called dialogue. Um, which I don't know if you've, you've heard about monotouch.dialog that Miguel wrote originally. No. So what that allows you to do is just to define in code almost, you know, that I'd like a string element and then I'd like a Boolean element. So like a checkbox and then I'd like a button. Um, and what it enables you to do is to build up really sophisticated UIs, you know, in a, in kind of a list view, in a table view. Mm. Um, but from code. Um, and so we've, we've adapted that slightly so it can be used more dynamically in MVVM. Um, for our purposes, there's also a version that runs on Monodroid, and we've made the two APIs match. So we've now, on top of Dialog, we've started to build something called Auto Views, and what that actually is is in the view model, you can actually just say what your what your default UI is. Yeah, so you can do one of like two things at the moment, really. First of all, you can say I'm a list, and please kind of use a list um, item template that has an image and has some text, please. Or you can say, I'm a form of some description. So, you know, perhaps you're a book listing. And you can say, I'm going to have a main title block. I'm going to have a body text block, which would perhaps be your description. And then I'll have, you know, a barcode block at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, and each of the platforms just knows how to render that. So there's a guy, um, Rune in Norway, who's currently looking at whether or not that same thing could be done on Windows Phone. And I don't see why it couldn't, because it is just saying, you know, reflect on this object. 
and produce me, you know, I'd like a, you know, if, if you look at something like the settings app in Windows Phone, then you know that you, you basically have a label and underneath it you have some form of control. Perhaps it's a, a UI switch type thing. Right. Or perhaps it's a checkbox or perhaps it's a, a picker from a, a combo box. Mm. And all of those things are standard. So, you know, the settings page on Android and the settings page on like, Windows Phone and the settings page on iOS, they all look pretty similar. Right. They're just kind of styled for that native platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no reason why a view model can't kind of provide its default thing. Yeah. Um, so, so what we're doing is we're providing that at the moment. And, and it's kind of there for the automatic UI so that when you first turn your app on and you first plug it in, then you can actually just see a prototype, you know, a sketch flow, if you like, of your app running immediately. Yeah, which is just, you know, hmm. wow, amazing. And then what you can do is override that. So you, you get the basic thing and then you go, actually, I don't want that because it's not pretty enough. There's no way I'm going to get 10 million downloads and make my <laughs> fortune. So you replace it. But but it enables you to do that flow and to pick which screens you, you customize first. Um, so I'm quite interested to see how that goes. You know, that's a really neat project. I like that. This has been a, a fantastic almost hour. And uh, Stuart, you just keep doing what you do, man. This is awesome. Oh, I failed. I had a list of Lady Gaga titles that I was going to read out during this talk. I didn't get any of them out there. So I'm sorry, I failed to do Bad Romance, Poker Face, Judas, Born This Way. Oh, I'm just going to have to pay the beer fine. Oh, <laughs> you come back and talk to us again anytime. Okay, thank you. All right, Stuart. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much.